This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country download from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today, you can hear Open Country. I live in a house. I suppose most people do. But I didn't always used to live in a house. And for a couple of years at the turn of the millennium, I lived in a caravan with a wood burner and for company, a, a chicken called Ginger. Living like that focuses the mind on what really matters, what bits of plastic you need and what bits you don't. Now I live in an area which seems to attract people who want to have a go at living in a different way, as far as possible, without electricity, perhaps without mains water, even without mains drainage, because what they want to do is to use as few resources as possible, to tread lightly upon the earth. For this week's Open Country, I've come to Mid Wales to meet people who are trying to live off-grid. We're in a wood, in a secret location, somewhere on the borders of Radnorshire and England, with Bob Rodbury, who's lived off-grid almost forever, in a no, way. lots of years, though. Yeah. How, how long have you been in this wood? About ten years. So what have you got? You... Well, home is a old-school bus... It's all off-grid, no water, no mains electricity or um, drainage. And um, it's great because of the recent decline in the price of um, the solar stuff. It's easy to live a comfortable life as long as you don't need all the bits and pieces, all the consumer stuff. And it's, it suits me because I've always been outdoorsy, always liked adventure. And living like this is it's a... It's an adventure every day. Not not high adventure, but pleasing. So this is this is the van. This is this where is you live. This is the van. This is home, and it's a blacksmith shop. It's a jeweller's studio. It's um, my bedroom and kitchen and um, sitting room. And you've taken yeah. out the steering column and the driver's seat, <laughs> so I can get in a chest of drawers. Yeah. And it makes life a lot more comfortable. I didn't need them because I'm not going to use the van again. Anyway, as you can see, it's quite cosy and um, not too appalling or squalid. And you've got all your gadgets. Divine gadgets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and, you, and um, Afghan rugs on the bed from. Um, well, Afghanistan, <laughs> yes. So, that, so you get your electric off the solar. Yeah. What do you do about water? Washing. You know, domestic sort of washing. I use rainwater, which I collect in various tubs about the place, and um, drinking water I get from a farmyard in the village down the road. Yeah. As for the drainage, Bob, you know, I mean, I don't do, like Do you mean pro- where do I poo? Yes. Is this is what I you're do. kidding around <laughs> That's to. That's exactly what I mean. As you can say, I've got a 12, 12 acre loo. I go out, <laughs> dig a fresh hole every day, and um, fill it. It's one of the questions people ask you the most, isn't it? Yeah. If you get lazy, you get cold. Absolutely, yeah. 
but it's good for you, it keeps you fit. When did you start living in vans? What was your very first van? Um, we drove it out to Kabul, well to Afghanistan, and um, and got into it there because you didn't want to be leaving the van thing because it'd be looted during the night, almost yep. guaranteed. So you slept in the van and um, and, uh, and liked it. You know, I thought this really suits me. So what what you would think of what people think of as the hippie trail, if you like, you you've got the hang of living in a van on. So kind of mid sixties. 66, that sort of time. It's that adventure thing, isn't it? It's always... Yeah, I've always been keen on boys' own type of adventure. It's beautiful. And your kitchen, which is, well, your washing up area. Yeah. Which is another corrugated iron up on four posts. Which collects its own water. Yeah. I was so pleased about that. <laughs> washing up is one of the things I'd find hardest. No, it's fun. You've got to find some sticks to light the specially made converted oil drum that's a, that's a fire to heat the kettle and collect the water from the rain water butt and um, I don't know, it's an adventure washing up is an adventure particularly in horizontal snow it makes me laugh honestly, I stand there thinking this is so surreal you know, doing the washing up in horizontal snow <laughs> Yeah. yeah, because you have that, if you like, connection to the processes of life. Everything that you have, you have to make happen. Yeah, well, most people seem to think it's their birthright to have water coming out of a tap and you know, power at the flick of a switch and any amount of it. But it's not. I mean, it's a bloody great luxury. Do you ever worry about the future? No. Because, you know, a, a gentleman doesn't ask, but you are, in fact, 74. Yes. You know, lots of kind of people who are 74 would be, you know, in the bungalow and and, and here you... And, you know, That's you, incredibly boring life, isn't it? Come on. Really boring. No thanks. I love my work. I like my work. And I'm very glad to make things... People say, oh, wow, isn't that lovely? No, I just keep on going till I can't. Conquistador, your stallion stands In need of company Like some angel's halo proud You reek of purity I see your armor-plated breast Has long since lost its I haven't just chosen this piece of music at random. There's a reason. This is Procol Harum, and Procol Harum were named after Bob's cat. It's a long story. Now I'm off to the Penpont Estate, next to the River Usk, to meet Goffy the Clown. I was a clown for 30-odd years. Yeah. Well, I still am. But, uh, yeah. I think bucolic is the word. Uh, it, this is a little corner of heaven. I mean, I just, we're under ancient beet trees and oak trees that are over at least 300 years old. Next to, oh, it's a dread word, Goffey, a retro caravan. It's pale blue. It's a 1950s showman's wagon. 
It's a, it's a sort of poor man's British Airstream, if you know those American chrome bullet jobs. It's a thing of great beauty. And yeah. the wood burners going. So why does anybody live anywhere else? Well, actually, I came here in 2000 and I uh, was commissioned to build a big uh, maze for the millennium and then I built various other things here. I built a labyrinth that I got lots of sculpture about. And I'm sort of old retainer on the estate and live quietly like a squirrel under the trees ever since. Yeah. Do you think living here gives you a different relationship with a landscape when you because you're sort of part of the landscape? Undoubtedly, I, I I don't have double glazing, so I can hear the birds in the. I can I, I just. In the spring, I just wake up every morning to glory in the sound of the morning chorus and um, I hear the birds' footsteps pattering along the top of the roof and very soon all the acorns start dropping on the roof. That's a bit annoying in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I still quite like it. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the oak trees knocking on my roof going, Oi, oi, wake up, I'm still here, I'm throwing down some nuts for you. Yeah. OK, this is a terrible thing to say, this is a contemporary thing to say. It's spiritual but not religious. I want to slap people who say that sometimes, but I feel as though it's appropriate here somehow. It is, yes. The, the maze I've, I've built here is based on the face of the green man. It's the biggest image of the green man in the world. I'm very into trees and all the world that goes on underneath them. Yeah. And uh, they are magnificent monuments and friends. I don't live in a street. I haven't got tarmac. I've no, got, got, I've got... Listen, leaves. I've got leaves and grass and twigs. Yeah. And no lampposts. Nothing's straight here. Everything's bent and crooked. It's all trees and forests. How, how do you think that changes you? Well, I feel a lot more connected when I'm in my, my caravan, connected with the earth. I wish other people had the opportunity and the privilege that I have. And I always think that, you know, we've, we have farmers who are given subsidies for set-aside. And I always think that perhaps... They ought to consider set aside and a yurt or a little caravan or someone who's just keeping themselves to themselves. And then we've got a huge housing crisis. So many people just want to reconnect with the countryside. They should be allowed to do that. Is, um, is there anything that, you, you know, when you're living in the van, is there anything that you miss about houses? No. I don't think I miss anything. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I've built myself a cottage up the river. Yeah. It's a very beautiful cottage. It's an old granary that I've converted from a ruin. It's my perfect cottage. But I've been living in this caravan for two and a half years. Yeah. And although I've got my perfect cottage up the road, I feel sort of complete in the caravan. If I had to give up everything, yeah. this would be the last thing to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right for Goffey, living on his own in a caravan by the river.
But what would it be like to raise a family off-grid? I've come high into the Radnor Forest where I'm going to meet Kate Hooper. What do you do about the washing? What do you do? How can you live without electricity when you've got teenagers? Let's go and see. You've got two lorries. One for us and one for the kids. So. Yeah. They're not very scary geese. No. No. And some hens? Hens, yes. We have got chickens in there somewhere. There should be... Um... Don't start. Shut it. And then over here, you've got these lovely raised beds. Well, we're going to set up a tree nursery. Fruit trees and nuts and, and fruit bushes and stuff. So we're yeah. setting up these raised beds. Yeah, to start planting stuff in them, really. At the moment, they're all in pots. But, uh, yeah, next year we're hoping to sell fruit bushes and trees and whatever. So we've got a few started off in the beds. I can't help but be reminded a bit of 70s sitcom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the good life. Yeah, the good, good life, life yeah. yeah. It is a bit, isn't it? It is. It would be nice. but It's not very suburban, though, is it? I mean, no. you're way out. No, yeah. we are quite away from... Are we about two miles from Cascob, perhaps? I don't know. And Cascob, let's face it... Is... A church. <laughs> yeah. With a cottage next to it. Mm. So you were living off-grid... You were in a woods, Slandovery way, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. We lived there for three years and... No electricity, no water? No electricity. We were lucky there. We had springs. All right. That was great there. And we had solar panels but they don't work very well in the wood no. because, of, obviously, the trees, so that was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So how long have you been here? Actually living here, about six months, but we were just down the road, half a mile away, for two years. But that was living in a house with full-on electric and <laughs> internet and all that, yeah, water, you know, <laughs> bath. <laughs> horrible. I know. Unlike Tom and Barbara Good in <laughs> The Good Life, you've got two kids. We have, yes. We've got, uh, yeah, two teenagers. So we couldn't persuade Tom and Molly to talk to us? No, well, they're just, they're, well in actual fact, they're supposed to be going out on a trip an educational trip today. Yep. The kids are home educated. They were just saying now, oh, I may as well get on with some work on the computer. And they've just gone, no, we can't. We haven't got any battery left. So, because they were working on them yesterday. So it is very dependent. They never had any TV. They never went on the computers, actually. It's only since we moved back up here that when we had the electric and the internet, they started using computers then. Well, they produce a, a newspaper, don't they, called Radnorshire Ramblings. That's right, yes. And, and when I read it, I thought, my goodness me, what have I done sending my children to school? Because <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Lord only knows I found it difficult enough raising children with things like television and, mm. you know, go and have a bath or, <laughs> yeah. or let me wash your clothes. I mean, it... It must be a struggle sometimes. It was a struggle in the wood because we were sort of um, probably about a mile off the road, main road, the A40, very, very busy road, but we had to cross three fields and a river and the river was liable to flood. So it didn't go anywhere much, well, apart from work because we used to 
sell logs, so you used to go out delivering logs. If you were out in the daytime and it had been raining a lot, then you were sort of thinking, are we going to get back? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, so electric was a nightmare. Uh, washing clothes was a nightmare because I also I couldn't get our vehicle up to our building, so we used to have to carry everything in rucksacks. So I either did the washing by hand... Or you took it all to the laundrette, which was usually a couple of rucksacks down and a couple of rucksacks back up again and half a day in town doing it. So. But it didn't put you off? No. Because you're on top of a mountain now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we kind of thought... We sold our wood and then we're desperately looking for somewhere to rent and this friend of ours had got this place to rent up here. So we thought, oh, yeah, let's try f- full-on electric and stuff for a year and I kind of thought, like, from our experience in the wood of having nothing and it being a big struggle, to then going into this house with washing machine. and I, You know, when I first got there, I just sit and watch the washing dry. It was like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, I thought we'd come out of that, the two extremes come out in our heads with something that would be a compromise between the two and be more comfortable for us all. So now I'm off to Hay-on-Wye to meet Briar, who lives in a yurt, and everyone else I've met lives out in the middle of nowhere, but Briar lives ten minutes from the centre of Hay in her yurt. I really like it. No one likes moving house all that much. Well... But you've moved house. I have moved house. I have, I have moved house, and I've moved into a, a new house. It's a, it's a brand, this is a brand-new yurt frame, which I built all by myself. Uh, and and, and, it's and awesome. what did you use to build it? Uh, mostly hazel, um, as much ash as I could find, just um, poles. So how big is it? It's 14 foot diameter. Yeah, and a circle. I love living in my yard. I hope never to have to live in walls again. I never liked it when I've had to do it. Why? why What don't you like about walls? Well, what you can afford is to live in a little magnolia box in a stack of other little magnolia boxes... I and mean, this is just beautiful for a start. It's like being outdoors all the time, even though it's not, because I, I hate being shut indoors uh, yeah. as well. But mostly why I like living like this is I like doing stuff for myself. When I've lived in flats, I mean, it's all right for a bit. It's like living in a hotel for a bit. You know, you switch on the lights, you turn on the hot water, uh, and then you can sit in front of the telly for hours and hours and hours if you want to. And it's just like, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. It's quite suburban here. I mean, this bit, yeah, here, yeah. You're five minutes walk from the centre of Hay, really. I know, I know. It's a bit strange. Um, it is quite strange. I've actually gone out to the spring to fetch spring water, even though there's a tap on the side of the house there. Yeah. Because, well, when I first realised I was moving here, I was like, oh well, I could plug into the electric, and they've got water there and stuff. And I, I don't know, they just had a dead feeling about that. I'd much prefer to go and fetch my water from the spring, and I much prefer it when I've got my solar panels up and I'm back on my 12 volt again. It's hard to explain, really. I I think how do people test themselves? How do people try themselves? How do people 
find out what they're capable of when all they've got to do in life is go to work for somebody to get money to go and buy things and then sit in their house enjoying the things that they've bought. And, you know, there is some satisfaction to that. I get off on that when I've earned a big pile of money. I can go and buy a van or whatever, you know, you can get off. But it's not the same feeling as sitting in your own home that you've gone out in the woods and cut and built yourself. There was moments of tears and hysterics and like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What am I going to do? But it wasn't like I could just decide to not bother because I would have had nowhere to live then. So then you you know you go and sit in your car and have a fag and a cup of tea and you think about it and then you go back to it. Yeah. And those kind of, those kinds of experiences are what teaches us self confidence and self worth. And there's no wonder there's such an upsurge in you know depression and anxiety disorders and how people are just not coping with modern life. It's because they they've had all that just sapped out of them. People think they can't survive without a shower every day or just everything laid on a plate in front of them. They think it's a hardship if they have to get move their bodies to do something for themselves. <laughs> but it's tragic because we're, so, we're, we're capable of so much more. But, you know, in a capitalist economy, when marketing strategies are running the show for so long, people don't even question it anymore. So if I came along and said, you know, here's... here's, here's um million quid mm-hmm. would you would you live in a flat would the million quid mean I have to live in the flat yeah mm-hmm. not if I had to live in the flat <laughs> I don't know I agree alright I won't then no that'd be terrible it'd be yeah. like oh, if you yeah I'll give you a million quid to go and live in a prison it'd be like saying that to somebody right you know, whatever happens, I can go out in the world and sort myself out again on my own, with my own two hands. And I'm only five foot two. <laughs> I'm lucky if I weigh eight stone. I'm not particularly strong. I'm not particularly clever. It's just that I've put, you know, life has put these opportunities in my way for me to know what I'm capable of. And that's what people miss out on. That they just, they just don't know what they are capable of and what their bodies are capable of. So when I lived in a van, I loved being in the weather. I loved hearing the rain on the roof of my van and stepping out into the weather. I loved fetching my water. I loved having to think hard when I wanted to go to the loo. I loved chopping wood. I loved all of that. Now I live in a house. That van is my happy place when I'm trying to get to sleep at night. That's the place that I go back to, to that idyllic moment of living in a van which looked a lot like poverty (laughs) but in fact in the end turned out to be a kind of wealth and ending up here in the car park at Hay on Wye next to the hedge that marks the boundary between England and Wales and having a chance to meet people who live in the landscape who become part of the landscape in a different way I am a bit jealous I'll always be a bit jealous. There's something about it that's so romantic. It's, you know, people used to want to run away with the gypsies. Now people want to run away into small spaces. You know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet about small spaces. So, yeah, back to my happy place, maybe, with the rain on the roof. <laughs>